The Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast is sponsored by Prairie Care. You know, going through the process of getting help with your mental health can be very overwhelming. I definitely know that from firsthand experience. Prairie Care can help guide you through it and get you in touch with the help that you need. They've been offering mental health services to all ages in the Twin Cities of Minnesota since 2005. Whether you're looking for clinical services, a specialty outpatient program, or a more intensive level of care like inpatient treatment, Prairie Care has you and your family covered. Visit prairie-care.com to learn more. That's prairie-care.com. Hello there, my friends, and a big welcome into this episode of the Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast. My name is Brian Pyatt, and just want to, as always, welcome you into this space um, on this Thanksgiving week. Um, hopefully, many of you out there are getting to, to spend some time with, with loved ones um, this week. I know that can also bring up some, some unique challenges of, of its own. Um, but I uh, just want to send you a lot of love. And, and as we're thinking about gratitude a lot this week and the things that we're grateful for, um, I know that I am, I am deepful, gr- deeply grateful for this space of this podcast to come together with all of you and, and have the conversations that we get to have. So um, thanks for being here. Today on the episode, we have um, my friend, and former coworker Rena Sargenopoulos joining us today. Rena is an anchor and reporter at Carol Evan News in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. And um, as as many of you know, I used to work at Carol Evan. Spent a number of years there. Had the opportunity to anchor a newscast with with Rena during my my time there. And um, I have to tell you, Rena has just one of the most beautiful hearts of um, the people that I have come across in in my professional career, and um, just so so grateful for this conversation and this chat that we have here today, um, and, and deeply grateful that she carved out some time in her busy schedule to chat. Um, we we focus in in this episode on her experience of, of living with social anxiety. Um, she's talked about this in the past publicly a little bit. And um, we cover a number of things around this. Um, as you can imagine, being a news anchor, there's a lot of interacting with the public and having to be on. And Rena has had to, to invite social anxiety along for the ride through that process of her, her professional career. Um, of course, also in her, in her, her personal life as well. She is one thing that I, that I always gathered from my time of, of knowing Rena is she gives back in a, in a huge way to the community, um, often through the form of emceeing events, volunteering her time to go, um, host all these different events for different organizations around the Twin Cities. And as you can imagine, when you live with social anxiety, that can stir up some stuff 
um, having to be in those those social settings. And so we talked to Rena about that. Um, I talked to, to her about kind of what social anxiety feels like in her body. How does that surface in the moment for her? Talk about, um, I asked her the question, when did she first notice social anxiety coming up for her in her life? Um, Rena has some really, really beautiful words about how having her daughter has really shifted um, and kind of solidified her view in the the importance of showing up and being there for, for the people in her life. And um, we also just touch on so many other things. We talk about the illusion out there that kind of everybody else has it all pulled together and, and we're the only ones that are struggling. So um, I hope you find this conversation useful. I hope that it serves you in some way. And let's go ahead and, and begin. My, my chat with the wonderful Rena Sarginopoulos. Thanks for being here, my friend. Oh, I'm so excited to see you. I feel like it's been forever. I so know. to get to see you in person is super fun for me. To be sitting in the Carol 11 building again together. Yes. How weird is that to be like back we, here again? It is kind of. Is it? It is. But it's nice. Yeah. I feel like we should be anchoring a newscast here in about four hours together. We can do that. Maybe we'll just do that. Do you think anybody would notice if you came down and anchored the four o'clock news with me? Yeah. Maybe they would just be like, I don't know. I bet you there would be people who didn't even know you left. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're so busy <laughs> yeah. with, with their own things going on. Or they just don't watch the news anymore. Let's try it. I'll probably get ushered out of here no, by security. I won't let but, it happen. Um, well, it's so wonderful to catch up and, and just to see you. And um, just thanks for being open to like sitting down and having this conversation too. I think it's so important. I love what you're doing. Just the idea that you can talk about these things, yeah. I think really is super helpful to other people. So like yeah. anything that, that we can do, and I'm so proud of everything that you've done oh, to try thanks, to help uh, people come out of deep, dark places. So yeah. I'm just thrilled that you asked me to be a part of it. Yeah. So what, so when it comes to, to talking about social anxiety, I know this is something that you've, you, you have talked about publicly yes. in the past a little bit. Yeah. Um, but how often do you share this, this part of kind of what you experience? Um, I, you know, Probably a lot, yeah. I, but more in a joking way, if that makes mm -hmm. any sense, to try to make light of the situation. Or um, for many years, I shied away from talking about it, and I just rearranged my world to not have to encounter situations that made me uncomfortable. Yep. Um, and then I just started telling people, you know, I think when it became more socially acceptable to talk about these sorts yeah. of things, uh, I was more open and honest with people. But now I jokingly tell people, something like, well, you know, I just don't like people, yeah. which is not true. I love people. I love all people. Totally. I, and you know, I love having conversations with people. I love talking to people, but I am so anxious mm -hmm. that I, I turned it into a joke where I'm like, I just don't like to be around mm -hmm. other people. I don't like crowds. I don't like groups. Yeah. Where it's just really me trying to protect myself from, yeah. from having these awkward situations. Cause that's the thing about this, right? Is I think you are somebody that are, you, you are so ingrained in the community emceeing events, putting yourself into a lot of social mm -hmm. situations. You're, um, you're somebody I know when I, when I worked here, you would organize these really beautiful, um, like ha what were they like happiness days, happy fun day, happy fun day. We where just you had our sixth happy fun day, which is the coolest thing ever. Um, and, and bringing people together, making people feel good. And so you're so beautiful with people. And yet there's also this part of you that makes it sometimes hard to interact with, with others. 
Absolutely. So, so the dichotomy of that is interesting. Absolutely. And yeah. and and ironic that I want people to get along. I want people to be together. I want people to feel welcome and loved. And yet I never feel welcome. Mm. I always describe it as I always feel like the last one picked for the kickball team, mm. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. as if the, if I was to walk into a room that no one would be interested in talking to me or want to... have me be a part of their conversation or I don't know. It's just this weird feeling of why would anybody be interested in Mm. having a conversation with Mm -hmm. me or engaging with me? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and that's why I always kept candy at my desk. I used to jokingly say it was to lure people into having a conversation with me or to talk to me because otherwise no one would ever come. Not why would anybody ever come talk to me if I didn't have candy at my desk? Yeah. Um, But that's just all my social strangeness coming out. When, um, when did you start to notice this part of yourself? I've literally always been this way. Right? Really? Really? Um, in fact, my mom says that she's nothing short of shocked that this is what I do for a living, that mm. I am on TV or that I MC events or that I engage in a public way because I was so shy as a kid. Mm. Um, and I don't know what started it part of me is like i don't want to know if i haven't figured out if there was some sort of trauma in my life like if i've gone this far without (laughs) figuring it out like i'm just gonna let it be and i've learned to navigate my life and figure it out i've forced myself into doing things that um that are out of my comfort zone but have also helped me grow as a person so Mm -hmm. i've figured out how to navigate it now but i remember my first job i worked at um i worked at chick-fil-a no way. And I did not know that. I about did you. for six years. I got a job when I turned yeah. 15 and I was there till I was 21 years old. It was a fan, phenomenal experience. And I learned a lot about uh, people and, and managing people and, um, you know, business and mm-hmm. things that I would have never learned anywhere else. But I do remember vividly the shape of the counter was where people would stack up on one side and they couldn't necessarily see the registers that were down on the other end. Mm-hmm. And you would have to raise your hand and say, I can help someone down here, please. And the thought of calling attention to myself in that Mm. way brought me such fear and panic that I would offer to buy people's lunch. And I'm talking, I was making $3.85 an hour. And I was willing to spend my, the only money I made that day to buy someone's lunch for them if they would call the people down to my end of the register rather than call attention to myself in that way. Um, And I've obviously grown since then i obviously have um more confidence than i did back then but i remember it vividly and the that little girl still exists inside me yes absolutely yeah because it's yeah it it, well and it's amazing too i think that there there is always that kind of little within us right like absolutely that, that no matter how old we get and no matter what kind of life experience we have that that person is still in there it's still in there and it's yeah. just whether you can um rise above whether you can push that part down and i don't know what the healthy thing is to do to right. be honest with you i've never actually um i've never gotten any therapy necessarily f- for this i just know who I am and how I've navigated my life. And there are times mm-hmm. where she, I let her out and it, yep. it's an uncomfortable situation. And there are times where I'm able to push it down and, and, and yeah. rise above. And, and uh, like I said, I've I put myself in situations that were uncomfortable and outside the box for me. Yep. And it has helped me to manage that 
in a way that I can function yes, <laughs> in society. Absolutely. If that makes any sense. Totally. Well, and I think it looks different for everyone, right? Yes. Kind of figuring out what's important to each individual person. And, and there, there's a real, and I, we'll get into this, but I think there is a real element of having to step into really uncomfortable situations, probably often. Right. You know, because like if you value connection and connection feels scary and overwhelming, there's a there's an element of having to kind of step into that uncomfortable space to engage with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned like some of the um, events that I would emcee. Yeah. And, and I still too to this day. I, I, I've always said, you know, I don't have a ton of money, so I give with my time. Yeah. And, um, you know, having Care 11 as a platform means something to some of these organizations. Absolutely. So when you agree to, and you've done this as well in, in your time, that you spent here when someone asks you to MC an event, it's almost like it lends some credence or some credibility to their organization. Yes. And so whether I believe that I have that credibility or not, I work for a place that I, that I understand does. And so, mm-hmm. um, that's how I give back is by giving my time. And so when I would go to these events, you know, it was often going by myself, you know, after work or without a partner or whatever. Yep. And they would ask you to show up hours in advance. Yeah. And that is that would send just the um, the amount of fear down my spine that I can't even explain to you. Like I would just be dreading, why did I say yes to this? And then mm-hmm. every time I would go, it would be so wonderful, and I would be so thankful that I did. But the idea of having to make small talk with people that I didn't know yeah. for potentially an hour or two hours before the event even started was just so stressful to me, and yes. it just it, it gave me such anxiety. Yep. And so I would often tell people, I, you know, I can't be there that early. Or if I did go that early, I'd go find a quiet corner to sit in and just read over the script that they had given me just so I didn't have to put myself in a situation where, again, where I was going to feel picked last for the kickball game. I mean, you're talking about people who have shown up at this event with either their spouse, their partner, or a, a group of people. And so what am I going to do? Just randomly walk up to a group of people and be like, hey, can I join you? Yeah. And have, can I, I don't know who you're talking about or I've never met you before, but like mm-hmm. I'm here by myself and I need someone to talk to. Like I would rather yeah. literally die is what I used to tell myself. Like yeah. I would rather just sit in the corner and hide than yep. to put myself out there like that. What is, well, so first of all, do you have any guesstimate for people listening of how many events you've emceed? as a, as a, you know, since you've worked here at care 11, I mean, you do like, I mean, you're almost like a, like a hundred a year. I mean, I mean like when you're at your, right. Well, no, an exaggeration. That's a little bit of exaggeration. You do a thousand a year. No, it's it's 10,000 events a year. (laughs) A week, (laughs) a week. Um, at the peak when I, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't dating anybody. I didn't have a family. Um, I was doing about 40 events a year. A year. Okay. Um, and now I try to keep it to a dozen or less. So it's, it, it's it can be anywhere from 20 to like 12 but so i try to keep it yep i try to keep it down ever since my daughter was born i try to try to be keep mindful it to of a, that. A, a not a minimum but you know when she got old enough and she started saying why do you have to go do another charity event and it's like oh i'm trying to i'm trying to balance this teaching her to give back and it's important to, even if you're giving up your time with her you know that it's important that we do these things because community is important because the the causes that these people work so hard for and they're mm-hmm. volunteering their time you know all of that's so important but so is time with my daughter yeah so that is trying to balance that sort of thing so yeah, yeah it's between 
between a dozen and, and 20 a year now. Which is so incredible to just think about like the impact that you've made over your time here. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. And so when you, when you think about like showing up in those settings and having to go talk to those groups of people, yes. you know, that you don't know, what usually comes up for you? Like, do, do you, do you have a sense of, you know, physically what you start to experience or mentally what you start to experience in those moments? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's a feeling of dread. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a truly like, again, like, why did I agree to do this? Yes. And then it's almost like this, um, heart palpitation. Um, yeah. I just, this impending sense of, of doom almost like, yes. you know, I'm going to go have this terrible time. I'm going to have to put myself in a situation where I'm putting myself out there and I'm going to get rejected. Mm. And, and the weird thing is, is, I don't know as an adult that I've ever felt that. Like I've never been to one of these events where I've felt like I've put myself out there and someone has said like, I have no interest in speaking to you. Like that's never happened. Yeah. So I don't know why my brain yes. does that to me, but I do. I feel like this impending sense of doom, like something bad's going to happen. You're going to be humiliated. Yes. Um, and, and you're going to feel terrible. And, 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 and again, I don't have a reason for feeling that way, but that's yeah. kind of like the the physical, mental thing that happens to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm getting ready to go somewhere and I'm just, you yes. know, deep sighs. I'm constantly deep sighing, you know, like, I, okay, I just have to get this over with and it'll be fine. Yeah. And then usually whatever organization it is has incredible work that they've done, incredible impact in the community. And then I'm always grateful that I said yes. Yes. So kind of so, on the other side of it. Yes. Once did, I get to the other side and then when the next event comes up, same thing. Same thing. Why did I say then, yes to why this? Why did I do this to myself? Yeah. I um, I relate to a lot of this um, and I don't want to make this about myself, but I, I mean, I really, social anxiety is something that's been a huge part of my journey too. Do you, and for you, is that, was that the biggest thing or was... Ooh. Um... At this point, I don't even I don't even know what's the biggest thing and the smallest yeah. thing. Uh, so much of what I've experienced kind of like lumps together. Yeah. But it's um, I do notice that there's always this. For me, there's always this feeling of like I put a lot of pressure on myself to be on around other people. Yes. Like I need to be on. I need to be like likable. I need to impress other people. I need to be the one that's like easy to talk to. And so there's there's always this fear that I'm going to be like awkward or like an uncomfortable interaction with another human being just feels absolutely terrifying right. to me. And then there's, and, I, and the humiliation thing, like yeah. the, the feeling of like, I'm going to do something that's going to make me feel embarrassed. I know is really, really strong. Right. Um, and so it's it, just in my own way, it's exhausting. Like it's, it's a very, it's a very exhausting thing. And I think what, what, but it, what's confusing is that I've always gotten the feedback, at least externally, like you're so good with people. You're so, you're so easy to talk to. And it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm grateful for that. And yet, um, inwardly you you don't feel that way. But if people understood what's actually going on internally, a lot of the times it's very different. And I would say the same for you. Like you're somebody that is so easy to talk to and you make people feel so welcome. And yet, sounds like internally that can be a very different experience oh it's internally it's it's super hard for me I like you said I just I feel like there's always going to be some sort of awkward interaction and it is exhausting and part of it and you know I'm blessed so it has nothing to do with um 
I'm not, oh, woe is me with the situation, but because, and you've worked here, so you get this, because of the publicness of our job, mm-hmm. um, you do feel like, you use the word being on. Yeah. Like, I do feel like I'm, you can never, and, and maybe you didn't feel this way, but like, I would never complain at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. I would never um, treat someone in retail or, you know, cause, especially because I worked retail as well, but I would... I'm cautious of how any public interaction goes um, because I feel like people are judging me because I've seen them judge other people before. Mm. Like I remember I worked at Ann Taylor for many years while I was the weekend anchor here and people would come in and, you know, recognize me and say, you know why? And they'd almost like feel sorry for me. Right. You know, like, well, you know, why are you working here? You're the weekend anchor at KR 11. You know, it's like, well, they have a really good discount and I have to wear clothes on the air that you all make fun of if I don't wear nice clothes, you know? Um, and I remember that one of our former anchors had apparently come in to that store one day, must've had a bad day. And then for generations after that, people would say, oh, that person was in here once and she was, you know, a Mm B-I-T-C-H. And I thought, my God, I know this person very well. They are anything but. And so you can't even have a bad day when you have a public job. Like you can't have a bad day. And that's how I feel sometimes where it's like every Mm -hmm. public interaction has to be on, right? You have to be personable. You have to be likable. Even if you're treated poorly, you just have to rise above it and overcome it. And that is exhausting. Yeah. That is exhausting. Yep. Um, And that's, that's maybe a totally separate thing from like these social interactions where like, I feel like the last one picked for the kickball team. Yeah. Um, But that is something that comes into play with like the exhaustion of just having to be on all the time. Yeah. I I have, I found when I was working here that um the the label of being a news anchor at Care 11 almost in, in in an interesting way maybe almost kind of helped me feel more comfortable in social situations cuz I could almost like hide behind that label. Sure. In a way if that makes sense. Yes. Like it was I was so uncomfortable sometimes connecting with other people and insecure that like saying that I was an, an anchor at Care 11 maybe gave me like credibility yes. in social situations, which feels kind of weird to say that out loud. No, but I, I can see But that. I've noticed that dynamic a little bit um, of, you know, yeah, like, because it, it is fascinating to me sometimes. Like, why is somebody who struggles with some of the stuff that I struggle with, how did I end up in this kind of a career? Right. You know, where you're like so public facing. And I think too... A lot of what we do, pe- people may not realize this, is very one-on-one. You're working yeah. with a singular photographer during the day collecting you know, uh, video and interviews for a story. Yeah. Then you come back and you log and write that story by yourself sitting at your desk. Yeah. And then when we're anchoring, you know, a short of your co-anchor or a weather person or the person running the cameras in the studio, it's not like we see the audience. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was much easier to do this part of it than it was the social stuff outside of here. Like the emceeing events mm-hmm. was, um, and I still to this day, I, I'll happily emcee an event. Now I've gotten to a place where I'm okay with that. The day of, I still have that weird feeling of, of dread. Yeah. But I will not do events where I have to talk about myself in front of people. Mm. Uh, I'm okay doing this with you because it's you and I sitting in a room talking about something that I feel like people need to hear about. But it's not like I'm talking about it in front of an audience. Yeah. Um, And that side of it is still really tough. For sure. 
that side is really tough still. For sure. But I can totally see where feeling feeling like someone doesn't have an interest in you in you to begin with where yeah. at least if you can hide behind this like well i have this cool job right yes. the perceived it the perceived image out there is oh that's so cool what you do for a living yeah that that makes it almost like an icebreaker it makes yes. it easier to i can see totally does. i probably have done the same thing and not recognize yeah. that yeah yeah what do you find helps you to kind of maneuver this stuff. I mean, we've talked about, you know, just really showing up into yes. some of those spaces that maybe feel uncomfortable, but are, are there other, are there things that you do to take care of you in this area of your life or No. Yeah, maybe that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, no. I'm just curious if there's tools that you have found or things that you say to yourself self in those moments that help you kind of ride those those waves of social anxiety. Um you know, I think just making my forcing myself to do it as many yeah. times as I have has made it easier. Like I don't have the same fear going up in front of the group of people at the event as I used to. Yeah. It's the social interaction with groups of people beforehand, like the small chit chat stuff yeah. where I just feel like I'm the least interesting person in the room kind mm. of thing. That stuff's still really hard for me, but I have forcing myself to do it over and over and over and over again. Like we're talking at least once a month, I have one of these events. And so, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of that changed with COVID, but, um, you know, when you do it that much, you force yourself to be in a situation that's uncomfortable and, you know, sometimes I still have moments where I'm like, I show up and I sit in the corner and I hide and I read over the script and other times I'm feeling better and yep. I'm able to engage with people that um, engage with me. And a lot of times what I do is wait for someone to approach me. I'm not really good at approaching someone oh. else, especially a stranger. So if someone engages me in a conversation, then it lets me let my guard down a little bit and, yeah. and feel like I can um, feel like I can interact with people yeah. Like it kind of chisels away at that, you know, whatever it is, the shield that I have up that yep. um, that gives me the anxiety and the dread and the, you know, feelings yeah. that I feel when I yeah. enter the room. Well, I think that's really beautiful, right? That it's proving to yourself over and over again that you can step into these spaces. Yeah. And because it's so easy, I would imagine, to not not show up in those spaces mm -hmm. or, or to retreat from it. And, and I've found at least through my own experience that it's that avoidance that can sometimes make it even stronger and stronger and stronger, you know, yes. when, when we really do have that courage to say like, no, this is important to me. Right. I'm going to probably feel the anxiety. Yep. I'm going to step into it anyway. It like proves to our brain. I think that they were capable of, of being in that and, right. and experiencing that. And I think I discussed that, you know, the knowing that, this whatever event it is is the most important event of the year usually for whatever organization right you're having a gala it's their biggest fundraiser yeah and just telling myself this is so important to these people mm -hmm. that um that's what usually gets m me out the door knowing that yeah you know i'm not going to cancel on somebody i would never do that and after my daughter came six years ago I had a fundamental change in who I was as a person mm. and I just decided that it is so Okay, I promised myself I wouldn't cry it's during okay. this. <laughs> you can cry. Showing up for people mm -hmm. is more important than anything that's going on in my head. Mm. And that means showing up for individuals or showing up for groups of people. Yep. 
because I need to teach her to do the same thing. Mm. I want mm. her to show up for people. Yes. Yes. So I'm trying really hard in times where I know it's hard for me to show up. Mm. And whether that means, you know, I've been running all day, um, but I have a friend who's sick and I'm going to go home. I'm going to make soup at nine o'clock at night and I'm going to drive it to their house, whether it means someone's dad passed away and I really don't have time to go to the funeral because it's kind of far away, but I'm going to take my Saturday and that's what I'm going to do on my Saturday because it's important to show up for people. Yeah. Whether that means taking my Saturday night away from my family to go to an event Mm -hmm. that I'm uncomfortable going to. Again, because it's so important to show up for people because I think when we stop doing that, then we get to this place where we are so divided. Yeah. And so, I'm sorry. No, my gosh, my friend, don't apologize at all. I think that's really helped me is knowing how important that is. Yes. That it trumps anything that I have going on inside. Yeah. And connects you to something bigger than the noise of what's going on in your mind. Exactly. Yeah. And, and how incredible right now that you have, like you had your own tools of maneuvering this stuff pre having a child. And yet now that you have a child, there's kind of this added layer of not only doing it for yourself, but also right. like setting an example for her. Right. That's huge. And that to me is more important than anything, right? Like when people say, and I tell her this all the time because, you know, she's just turning six and being a kid is so hard and other kids are mean. And I always say to her, you know, like, remember those feelings when somebody does something that hurts you or makes you feel Mm. bad and remember that. So you don't repeat it and you don't do it to someone else. And Mm -hmm. I keep telling her, you know, like, I don't, of all the things that are important to me in the world, what you decide to do for a living, where you go to school, Mm -hmm. I don't care about any of those things. I just want you to be kind for others. I want you to be someone who listens and I want you to be someone who shows up for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And you may think that that's a ridiculous thing to say to a six-year-old, but I just think that that is so important to me Mm -hmm. because I think those are the things that when we get to the end that matter. Yeah. No one cares that I worked at Care 11 or you worked at Care 11 or that you were a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist or whatever it is that you want to do in life. It's the little things and showing up for people that matter at the end and being kind. And so that has really, being a mom has really changed that for me. Yeah. And not that I didn't think all those things were important before. Yeah. I guess I just didn't realize the gravity of it. Just like how, and and, and other people can feel different ways too. You know what I mean? Just because this is the way I feel doesn't mean that I'm not telling people that they have to do, (laughs) do something different. But for me, it really cemented for me what's important in life. Yes. And so... Yeah. It's, it's our people and it's connection. Yes. I, I was just having this conversation last night with somebody that it's everything. I mean, it's, it really are people and, and feeling connected to others around us. Um, it's everything. It is. <laughs> like it really, it really is like I, at least in my opinion, cause I, I notice like when I'm really, when I'm really, really struggling or in a tough head space, I feel like yeah, there's some other stuff going on, but like at, at the core, it's usually a feeling of being isolated or feeling alone and just like what I think trumps most of what I'm feeling in that moment is connecting with another human being. Right. 
and yet also recognizing that sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. It is. And so it's like this very, it's, it's, um, it's tough to get out of those spaces sometimes. It is. It's and in, like you said, the more you avoid it, the stronger, the stronger it, becomes, it becomes. Right. And yep. so it is just stepping out, of, just trying it and stepping out of it and then yep. having it feel okay. And then stepping out again and having it feel even better. And there'll be yep. days where it doesn't feel okay and you can't step out and that's okay too. Um, but mm-hmm. just putting yourself out there in times when you think are, are going to be tough and then having the experience be okay, I think yep. gives you a building block for the next time. Does anxiety ever show up for you on the air? <sighs> Not really. No, it mm-hmm. doesn't. I think mm-hmm. I feel safe there. Uh, I'm by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not. Th- it's not that I've never been nervous on the air because I've been nervous on the air plenty of times where things are going wrong. You yep. know what it's like. And oh, yeah. at home, people might not realize that. Um, you know, some of them behind the scenes is saying we can't get a hold of this reporter, and their live yep. shot went down, or the story didn't make air, so we're going to have to switch these things around. And you know, when we're all stumbling and fumbling on the air, you may not know what's going on in the background. Um, and there's been times where every piece of video on this show didn't make it in time and the prompter went out and, you know, I'm sweating and, you know, like I've had some horror stories about (laughs) stuff that's happened on the air, but that would be just nervousness, not anxiety. Not anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference between that. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel comfortable on the air. Like I feel comfortable in that space. Yeah. Well, I just think it's so powerful to, to hear you be open about this stuff and because it's, it's so easy. It's so easy to sit. Let's say we're sitting at an event that you're emceeing to look up at you and think there's somebody who has it all together. Their life is perfect. Why is life so hard for me? And it's like this illusion that we all live with. Yes. Everybody else has their stuff. Everyone else has it together. Figured out. And, and I'm the one that's a mess. Right. And so I think part of wanting to have you on this podcast other than just getting to catch up with you <laughs> is to just help gradually kind of chip away at that illusion. Yes. I think that's super important. It's huge. I, I do. It's huge. Um, and I think part of why um, just anytime anybody has the courage to sit down and talk openly and honestly about what you're doing or, or about your experience, I think it just, it helps people in really profound ways. Um, I And that's why I love this what you're doing because I think that every time you do one of these with anybody, it helps chip away at that. Right. You know? Um, and it's true because again, we go back to that perceived, you know, like the job and it, people look at what we do differently now and that's a whole other podcast. Right. But, um, traditionally, you know, people have been like, wow, you work at care 11. Um, so I do think it's important for people to know that yes, but we're still people too. And our, my kid throws tantrums and I have really bad days and I do suffer from social anxiety and, Mm -hmm. um, I don't have it figured out either. And I used to joke that I wanted to write a book one day that says, I promise no one else has it figured out either Totally, because they don't. And I don't care what Instagram shows, you know, or Facebook or any of the other social media sites that you go to or what you're perceiving from the outside, someone's uh, inside looks like, Mm -hmm. um, no one's got it figured out and everyone has these moments of uh, uncertainty or they have these moments of anxiety or fear or loathing. Um, mm-hmm. All those can exist in, in someone that you think has it all. Um, and so I just, I love that you're taking the time to help people understand that they are not alone. Yeah. They are not alone. Yeah. And as we wrap up here, what, what gives you hope? 
Um, there's a lot of things that give me hope in this, what has become such an incredibly divided time. I do think that people are still showing up for people in ways that you wouldn't expect when we can't agree on the simplest things. Mm -hmm. But every time I see something, you know, that you think, what a terrible thing has happened. And then you see people from all sides coming in to help, right? It doesn't matter at that point what your politics are, whether you think someone has it all put together or not. Um, you know, it's watching good things happen in bad times that makes me realize that people are still good and and wonderful at their core and that we will, um, we will move through this blip in time, which feels... Yeah fairly divisive and yucky and I think most people kind of agree we've gone through it doesn't matter what side you're on you know it just it feels kind of yuck right now and seeing the goodness in people through all of that has just given me hope that you know this is just a blip on the radar yeah just a blip well, thanks for being you, my friend. Oh, well, thank you for having me on. I'm sorry I cried. <laughs> oh my God, are you kidding me? Are you in your head about that now? Are I am in my head about that, that now. I, isn't that interesting? But and, that, and that's the moment in our conversation where I felt the most connected to you. Yeah. So it's it's interesting how we like get in our head about that. I know. But usually on the other end, that's when like I'm like, yes, thanks for being real. <laughs> and so. I'm like, can't believe I did that <laughs> can't again. Believe I did. I'm gonna Can go you re- keep your tears in your face for once. <laughs> I'm gonna go ruminate about yeah. it for hours now. Um, but yeah, thanks for being you. Thanks and, um, for having me here. You're the best. Love you. Once again, just a, a huge thank you to, to Rena for carving out some time in her schedule to sit down and have that chat. I, I walked away from that just feeling so um, nourished, I guess would be the right word for that, for that conversation. I just really, really enjoyed connecting with Rena. I always do. And um so glad that uh, that we got to share that chat with all of you. Um, I will go ahead and um, link up in the in the show notes to where you can find Rena on social media. If you want to follow along, um, you of course can can watch her regularly on Carol Evan News here at the Twin Cities, doing such beautiful work there. And um, yeah, my friends, as always, just take what serves you from this conversation, and and go ahead and leave the rest. So. Uh, wherever you're at out there, whatever you're maneuvering, um, be gentle with you one moment at a time. We all journey onward and forward and um, hope that, uh, that you get some time, some connection with your loved ones here this week during Thanksgiving if you're celebrating here in the, in the uh, United States. So sending love and we will talk soon, my friends. Also, just a reminder that this podcast is not meant to replace work with a therapist. And so if you feel you need it, I encourage you to reach out to a trained mental health professional. All right, we'll talk soon.